My name is David Siegler, and welcome to my podcast. Hi, everybody out there in property, sourcing, profits, land, all Team PSP, whatever you're doing if you're out there in property, sourcing for profits, trying to make money from property, this is the podcast for you, and I'm super, super excited. This is how I look. I know you can't see. This is how I look. I'm super, super excited because I have a very serious property investor that I'm interviewing today. I've been trying to get her onto my podcast for quite a while, (laughs) but she wouldn't do it. So I've dragged her kicking and screaming into my little studio type room. So we're going to talk about property. We're going to talk about starting out. We're going to talk about how the journey evolves. We're going to talk about challenges in 2019. And um, I want you to put your hands together, not if you're driving, don't stop if you're driving. I want you to put your hands together and give a fantastic Team PSP welcome for the wonderful Cheryl Siegler. Yay! Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> cool. So uh, we're going to talk about the property journey, Shelley. Is that all right? Yeah. Cool. So for you, when did it all start? Don't go too far back. <laughs> the stuff that you and I did together. Really. Together. Yeah. Right. Um, I think we bought our first one uh, back in about 2006, 2007. Oh, no, it was a bit before that. But, okay, let's start then. So, that you're starting in Manchester. Oh, yes, sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah starting in Manchester. Starting in Manchester. We before that. Yeah, but we had a bit of form before did. that, didn't we? <laughs> We didn't start in 2006. No, I'm sorry. I was thinking about up in Manchester. Yeah, so we did uh, commercial stuff and I got involved in commercial stuff. And then uh, 1996-ish was the birth of the buy-to-let mortgage. Absolutely. And uh, we thought about getting into buy-to-let. We did. Because, uh, well, you tell the story at the time, our circumstances. You you had a good job. You were well paid, right? Um, well, when we started, the only property that we owned between us, you had other property. The only property we had was our home. The marital home. The marital home. She indeed. can't get a rid of me team. <laughs> I'll get half of everything she owns. <laughs> There's time. There's time. <laughs> um, so you had obviously property that you've been building up, um, but together you and I had the marital home. And I had a job earning, you know, Pretty good salary money. Yeah, yeah. at the time, and you did uh, as well. We decided we, we'd look for property, and we found two really, really good properties in Portsmouth. Yeah, so I was working in Portsmouth at the time. Yes. So I went out, and we found uh, two Victorian Absolutely. terraces. Absolutely. I thought they'd let pretty well. Yes. Um, 1996, so the sort of money we were looking at in Portsmouth at yes. the time for two, three-bed terraces – under 50 grand. It was. They were both 40-odd 40, 40 thousand pounds yeah. for each. Yeah. Uh, we got mortgages arranged. Yeah. And I got cold feet at the last minute. Completely my fault. Uh, and it was a big mistake. Look, there's no blame here. <laughs> really? <laughs> but, you know, let's, let's deep dive into this about the cold right, feet okay. thing. But no blame. Yes, yeah, I seem to remember it happened in the early hours of one morning specifically. Very probably. Yes. So I was woken yeah. from my blissful slumber by, ah, what if, what if, I don't want to impersonate, you do. What were you worried about? <laughs> 
Well, I was worried. I'd never invested in property before other than the marital home. And although I had a, you know, a good job earning good money, I was just worried. And I was worried that, you know, we'd gone through a recession and I was worried that if I lost my job, how would we pay the mortgages on the uh, the buy-to-lets? Yeah, and I said to you, don't worry, Shelley, because the tenant's going to pay the mortgage. You did. Yes. You did. And I should have listened to you, but I worried, what if the tenants don't pay the rent? What if one of them doesn't pay the rent? And, you know, we had a little, we, we had a little girl, uh, and I had that in my mind, you know, looking after her as well. And it was a mistake. I decided not to go ahead. Um, you wanted to go ahead. You were right. I was wrong because had I bought those properties... Nothing lost. <laughs> no, 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 those houses today can't be worth more than a couple of hundred grand. Yeah, well, they can't, yeah, they can't, can't be. So, so nothing lost. Yeah. The, more, the more difficult thing for me, Cheryl, if I may, is um, you made me walk the walk of shame. I did. Into the estate agent. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> and so you, you know those two houses we're buying, Mr. Yes. Estate Agent? Yes, yeah, well, we did. Not. Yeah, we had an issue in the night and, yes. um, you know, I've got to come and <laughs> say that. So it didn't happen, did it? No, it didn't. It no. didn't. And, and as I said before, it, it was a genuinely, it really was a big mistake. Yeah. Because we probably would have got tenants who paid promptly. Um, you know, I kept my job and, you know, I continued to Absolutely. earn the money. Yeah. And, you know, the worries I had didn't, thank God, materialise. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I wanted to draw that out is because we're going to have people listening to this who might be in a similar circumstance. Absolutely. Right. So um, as long as you've got your arithmetic correct. Yes. I think you've just got to be brave with this stuff. I think you? that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't. No. Uh, I wasn't used to being a property investor. Yeah. Uh, I was used to working regular hours, extra hours, earning the money, saving every month. I just didn't have the courage to do it at the time. Yeah. Um, and you did like saving every month, though. I did like you saving did. every <laughs> month. You've got yeah. your Halifax book buried somewhere. <laughs> In the go, so I can't get at it. Yeah, okay. oh so let's fast forward because we did other bits and pieces. We we started buying property, and then we bought a we bought a house in Spain. We did. We yeah. bought we bought a flat first of all. We did. We bought a flat, which was a really good investment. Yeah. And well. then we had we bought a plot of land and had a house built on it, which was also a very good investment. Well, the way it turned out, I think it was the timing of it. Yes. Um, so we were introduced to a young Spanish builder who couldn't speak English, and I couldn't speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I said to him, I said, because you were at work, you were in England. I was. Yeah, I was. You, you never saw the plot or anything. Or actually, I'm going to draw this out now. Yes. Sure. Right. Because <laughs> with all the houses we bought, I think is I think we've maintained the record that you've never seen any of them, including the house that we live in. Before we agreed to buy them. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lesson there. The lesson is to trust. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So even the house we live in, um, you didn't see it before. I didn't. We, I agreed to buy. I mean, right. you, you knew roughly where it was and you knew the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but I've seen a picture of you, it. I've shown you a picture, right. And then the first few times you came to see it, you couldn't see it because it was in the winter and it was dark in the That's evening. That's absolutely yeah, true. So you never actually saw it. I never saw the garden. I never saw the garden in daylight. So I couldn't see it because it was pitch dark yeah. until after we bought the property. Yeah. 
And I think, well, I didn't, I only could see it in darkness. I think I saw the inside once, but I think that was after yeah. you'd actually gone in and agreed to buy it. Yep. So uh, just property sourcing profiteers out there, um, we are not recommending this as a strategy specifically. Right. Just, just a statement of fact. Yes, that's just how it rolled. But now it's like become a thing for us. So, you know, it's it bad luck if Cheryl sees, actually sees a property before, before we buy it. Well, he uh, learned from Portsmouth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You just got to get stuck in. Uh, so let's fast forward to the Manchester adventure. Yes. Because yes. that's when things really accelerated. Yes, they did. Uh, and actually, I went up there in 2004 with Mr. Graham. Shout out for Mr. Graham. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> if he's listening. Uh, so I went to Manchester and we started buying terrace properties. We, we did. Yeah. yeah. Gordon, how did you feel about that? Um, well... I think I learned from Portsmouth. Um, we'd save money, we'd put money aside, um, and I'd learned from the Portsmouth episode, and I knew other people who were investing in the northwest of England, um, and they recommended it to me too. So um, we started buying one property at a time, um, with terrace, mainly terrace houses. We bought some flats as well. Oh, the flats. We bought yeah, flats we as well. Um, but um, predominantly terraced houses. Yeah, we like terraced houses. We do. We do and, single and lets. I think we have to fill in a few gaps here because life was very different to before 2007, yes. 2008. Yes. So mortgages were plentiful. They were. They? And it was very easy to get a buy to mortgage. Um, self-certification for yes. income. Not that we went that way. Obviously, we never did. Right. We could do wasn't necessary but um and you could buy refurbish refinance absolutely. at a higher level absolutely get your money out so that and do rem- it all again absolutely that's yeah. what we did which is so what we did i remember in manchester at that time that house prices were going up like 10 grand a month they were they were going from 59 to 69 to 79 so if we agreed to purchase at 59 and there was an eight ten week completion it was worth 79 when we completed on it. I mean, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? It, it, it was, um, as you say, it, at that time, it was very good. Mm. Uh, we, we buy the property, and as you rightly say, we, we get a mortgage. We put the, whatever the relevant deposit down was for a buy-to-let mortgage, uh, get the mortgage, do a refurb, and then we could immediately remortgage and get that money back yeah. and then go on to the next one. Go again. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you did, the more money some of the people tried to lend you so you could do more. Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. So It, it was um, very positive. We, let's not mention the name of any lenders. No. But we, we no. had, um, I was a bit of a property rate, interest rate tart, I think. <laughs> property rate. Uh, so the interest rate top. <laughs> interest rate. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say. But we sort of um, sort of uh, were, were attracted to one or two main lenders that yes. we dealt with. Go on. So tell us about the journey with them from one mortgage to how they treated us. Because it's the reason I want to share it with the, the crew listening is it's unimaginable today, really. Yes, yes. it's changed out of all recognition from when we did it. Um, we use various um, lending bodies um, to, well, <laughs> institutions, sorry, um, to to mortgage, the, get mortgages for the properties. But, as you say, uh, there were one or two big 
vendors. Um, And basically, once you borrowed to buy a couple of properties, they contacted us and said, well, actually, you can buy more. Yeah. And then once you bought that number, they then said, well, actually, you can borrow... Um, I think originally it was a million pounds. Yes, it was. You're absolutely um, and right. And we didn't ask for that. No. We never asked for that. They came, we didn't even ask them for half that. They came to us and said, would you like to borrow it? Um, and that was completely unsolicited on our part. Yeah. And there were golf days I was invited to. umbrellas. <laughs> yeah, I've got all that stuff. Uh, but it didn't end at a million pounds. You've got to get to the punchline because we moved up again, didn't we? We did. Yeah. We did. And from memory, the last figure, after we continued investing, was they offered us up to five million pounds. Five million pounds. Five million even, pounds. Even today, it's a huge amount of money. Yes. Right? Yes. And thank heavens we never borrow. <laughs> A million pounds could have ended very badly, right? Um, uh, but to be fair to us, right, a couple of things. First of all, we put a deposit in on every property. Oh, I'm absolutely clear. Every property we purchase, we put the deposit down. And of course, being buy to let, as all people know, it was a much more significant deposit than in an ordinary yep. situation. We put the cash in for that. Yeah. And then we would get the mortgage of the amount you're allowed. Yeah. Um, and we never, when we, when we remortgaged, we never did, as happened some years before that went above the value of the property. Yep. We never ever did that. No. Uh, which of course you could do back in the day. You could actually get more than the property was actually valued at. For and sure. we never did that. Never yeah. did that. And, uh, there was also the, um, project at the time you could do a, Day one remortgage. I believe Because you could. properties were going up. There were lenders that specialised in that. So the effect of it was it was a mechanical transaction by the solicitors. The effect was that you could borrow 100% of the money. Because you could then get back your deposit yeah. through the, the remortgage. Yeah, and you never actually. And again, we never did that. No, we, we never, never did that. We never ever did that to make sure that we retained. Um, at least the, the open market value of the property, but usually to try and attain some equity in the, in the property. Well, you're making us sound very, um, you know, proper and correct, Cheryl, but the reason we never did it really was I couldn't work out how to do it. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I wasn't working with the solicitors. Right, which I was fed up putting my deposits down all the time, you know. And back in those days, it was fifteen percent roughly. Yeah, you know, yes. that was a standard one. Absolutely, eighty-five percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't pushing the boundaries at all. So if I'd known how to do a hundred percent day one remortgage, I might have walked that walk. But we it, didn't. It would not have served us because what happened? Absolutely, because initially when we began our journey in that area. We built up a very significant equity. Yeah. Even with the remortgaging. Yeah. Even with the cost of the refurb, the remortgage, uh, we built up a significant equity in those properties. It's true. But then, um, of course, the we crash. had the crash. And a lot of that equity was wiped out very quickly. Yeah. So if we'd been doing 100% loans on these things, yes. um, it would have looked a bit sick on paper, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Yeah. Yes, it would. Yeah. And it was due to the fact that we didn't um, overstretch ourselves yeah. um, that we we 
never got into the position, thank goodness, of having a portfolio that was mortgaged more than the value of the portfolio. Yeah, well, yeah, never. it was it was touching. Go. There was also a very another very significant factor that helped us, and we didn't know at the time because we were paying interest rates of five six percent, and the accepted wisdom as late as the autumn. 2007 was the interest rates might go up mm. I remember uh, and it was all looking a little bit flaky because we were paying five six seven percent depending on what the deal was and then of course the 3rd of December 2008 was a very significant day in our lives Cheryl can you remember what it's your birthday <laughs> <laughs> It was also a Thursday, and the Bank oh. of England Monetary Committee met that day, and they cut interest rates by 1.5%, mm. which I recall meant that there was on something over three grand a month that we were sending to the banks in interest, that we didn't have to send anymore. Mm. I could spend it on me. <laughs> on your birthday. <laughs> birthday present. Yeah. Um, so... The serious point is, though, that cushioned the blow of everything that went yes. on because yes. it cash flowed, the portfolio cash flowed. Yeah. So let's move forward. Let's move forward a bit today. Right. Yes. Let's talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. So we've still got those houses. Yes, we've got all those. Um, we've, uh, I don't think, got any of the original tenants, but a lot of them are still on. <laughs> <laughs> to let even Barbara's gone. Oh, bless her! Barbara finally went. Um, we've still got a lot of single uh, lets, but we've been dabbling. Have we we've, have. we've had a dabble. We've had a dabble. Go on, tell us about the dabble, Shelley. Right. Well, um, as you say, they're, they're, we mostly we kept them as single lets, but we did go into uh, service accommodation. We did, um, and that was very good. That was very very good. Um, well, it was very good in terms of the bottom line number compared with single let. Yes. But it's, it's, it's a business. And from my perspective, I'd have people who would do it. Oh, yes. When I say very good, you're absolutely right. I qualify that. That was in terms of the money that, yeah. that taking off all the X's, yeah. uh, it, it generated. However, as you rightly said, there is the other side of it. Um, and you have, we had to have people in place who could do everything that was required, much yeah. more than, than a single right to that. Absolutely. And, and you particularly bearing in mind that that part of our portfolio is a long way from where we live, we were totally reliant on other people um, in, in many, many ways. For sure. Uh, because we were in Brighton, the houses were in Manchester. Yes. Um, you know, I I wasn't going to let you, Cheryl, drive <laughs> to Manchester to do some linen washing <laughs> and uh, change light bulbs. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to let you be rung up at 2 o'clock in the morning from a guest asking how to turn the TV on. Right. We had some of that in Spain. We, we did. We did. We did. Um, because I, I, I suppose, it's just come to me while we're talking, the service accommodation model yes. we had been doing for some years in Spain. We yeah. had indeed. And I didn't even realise it was service accommodation model. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it simply wasn't called that no. at the time. No. So, today, in today's market, we've, we've kept all the houses. The houses, uh, will you tell me, what do you think about the prices of the houses? So, we knew what we paid and then they... 
They, they dipped after the crash. Where do you yes. think the prices of, of the properties are today? Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the good position that, that we took was to make sure that we didn't overstretch ourselves. So, yes. so we weren't under pressure to sell. Um, so really, we've, we've looked at the property prices periodically just to, to monitor them. And, uh, they, in, in some time, they then went back to the market value they've been before. I agree. Um, so basically, with all, I'm talking about the houses as opposed to the flats. Yeah, we'll come back to the flats. Yeah, we'll come yeah. back to the flats. Vis-a-vis the houses, we now have, we've kept all the houses, and we've got a not insignificant equity in those because we're back um, and probably a bit higher than two thousand seven uh, times when the when the crash occurred. Yeah, I think I think that's true. Um, I also believe that the northwest has been very slow to recover. I think if we'd had those you know, David and myself between about fifty one houses we bought, right? If we'd had those fifty one houses in Brighton, yes. You know, yes, the, the it's life a would be very market. different today. Yeah, the, the market, or even in, in Portsmouth. <laughs> oh, indeed, or even <laughs> Portsmouth, absolutely. But but again, you know, it's it's the geographical divide. Mm. But on the other side of the coin, you have to remember that when we purchased up north, we paid a fraction of the price we'd have bought if we bought those properties down here. Agreed. So basically for one property in Manchester, we sorry, sorry, forgive me, for one property in Brighton, we probably could have bought I don't know, four or five in well, Manchester. Well we could because the deposits would have gone further. Just exactly. to just to spell it out for everyone that's listening. Uh, yes, you need four or five mortgages, but you'd also need four or five tenants. So if you've got one yes. house in Brighton and the tenant goes AWOL, absolutely, it's a disaster, right? Yes. If you've got four or five tenants and one tenant goes AWOL, you know, it's inconvenient. Exactly. And that was a big part of the decision we made when we started investing together yes. as to whether to buy down here, which we could have done, but clearly in a significantly lower number yeah. than those we bought um, in the north of England. Yeah. And the, a key question, or if that's the right word, uh, a key consideration for us was exactly that. If mm. you have a tenant in Brighton who doesn't pay you and you're paying a huge mortgage instalment every month and it takes you however mm. many months to get a possession order mm. and then you never get the rent back because they, even if you get judgment, they can't pay you. Yes. If we had that happen in Manchester, it was one out of four yeah. or one out of five. Agreed. And that was a key consideration for us. Yeah. So in, in many ways, Cheryl, I think it's all a bit like peanut butter. <laughs> so you like crunchy, right? Yeah. I like smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Can never, we never really resolved that between us. <laughs> so a little bit of each kind of makes Absolutely. it Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, of course, we also bought in Hampshire. We did, absolutely. We're together, yeah. Yeah. not just up north. We no. bought in Hampshire. So that sort of predates um, the Manchester thing. So, uh, yes, we've got a portfolio on the south coast as well, uh, which is great, but it's, tends, it's tended not to um, – I don't really feature it in my progressive adventure. Right. So, um, you know, it's there, and that's cool. Um, flats. We were going to come back to the flats. Tell, well, yeah. me, tell me about yeah. the flats, Cheryl. What's the issue with the flats? Well, with flats, um, when we bought them, they were very good deals. So um, 
I don't regret having bought them from that point of view because they were very good deals. We wouldn't have bought them if they weren't good deals. I regret. <laughs> um, and there's still one that I would keep without any shadow well, of a doubt. because we bought it for like a cup of tea. Exactly, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, so I would keep that. The issue for me with, with flats is they have not... Um, they, they dropped, obviously, in the yep. recession. Yeah. And I personally don't believe they've recovered to the same extent, uh, anywhere near the same extent as the houses have. Well, I personally agree with you. All right, thank you very much. And um, <laughs> But the other issue, of course, and it's just a personal thing, is you have the ground rent. Okay, that's not huge, but it's a consideration, and the consideration that if ever you want to divest yourself of the property, you need to get the consent of the freeholder. Yeah. But the big issue is service charges. Yeah, ma- management companies. We've had a, we've we've laughed and laughed about <laughs> management companies over the years. I'm not sure I quite share the word laugh. But, okay, um, so what, what's your take on management companies? Um, well, I th- it's like anything, isn't it? You get you get good and you get bad, um, or or not as good. Um, and, you know, we've got, I won't name names, we've got one that's very good that I can think of. Yes. Um, Not cheap, though. Well, that that's the issue. Um, so you get good and bad, but also um, service charges, even up north where we are, are a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and um, when you add that on to your mortgage... Um, and ground rent to a far lesser extent because you're yeah, not talking that in the great right scheme of things. Hundred and fifty pound a year, or whatever. But it's something over which you have limited control. Yeah. Um, and you have to pay it. Yeah. So let's spell that out. So uh, let's say we're renting an, an apartment for five hundred pound a month. Yeah. Right. And the mortgage, even though the interest rates come down, and we're benefiting from the historical yes. drop there, we might be paying a hundred pound a month. There. Yes. But then we might be paying another hundred pounds exactly. on service charges, uh, absolutely and maintenance. every month. And then the real issue is when the management company decides they don't want to manage anymore and disappears. Because what we did, and this might be helpful for people out there listening or looking to invest in apartments, we bought into apartment blocks where the owners were predominantly investors. There weren't many owner occupiers, and we know that. Because I sold the flats to the investors. <laughs> but what I didn't realise was that, you know, over time, investors change, circumstances change, whatever. And if some of those investors don't pay the management charges, the management company can't manage. That's right. And then the um, you start off with a decent rent in a decent building and then it starts to show its, it's frays around the edges a bit because yes. the management's not. They can't afford to do everything and keep yes. it up to scratch. So you get a slightly lower quality tenant and then you get other tenants coming in at a lower quality and they don't pay the rent and then the investors get fed up and more investors don't pay the service charge. And then the whole thing goes into a di- downward spiral. It can do. And then the management company disappears and then you can't get a mortgage. So you can't sell them and you can't afford to keep them. And we've been in one of those uh, scenarios, haven't we? Um. Yes. <laughs> it finally got resolved. Well, you know, it was some brave, brave apartment owners who took on freeholders, etc., and the council and all sorts of things. It was, um, as you say, it, it's very difficult because you, you can end up in the position, you rightly point out, you can't stop paying your service charges because you've got to pay your service charges under the lease. Mm. 
And it's not the fault of the management company if they aren't getting enough money Agreed. Um, in order to carry out the necessary works to the building. Mm. So you end up in the position where you're paying your service charge, but you're not getting anything done for the service charge money that you're paying. Absolutely. It's just going into, well, in our case, for like two years in one particular development, it just went into legal fees where everything was being challenged, right? And it, may I say it's been resolved now? It has. But, you know, for two years, we were a bit stuck, weren't we? Well, you, you, you can end up in the position where if you need to sell the property, it's extremely difficult. We were in the fortunate position that we didn't need to sell the property. Absolutely. Right? But you do worry because you go up and clearly the standard of the development declines yeah. because the money isn't spent on yeah. the upkeep yeah. because there isn't the money there. Yeah. Um, and it, it is what it was worry. Yeah, uh, it was a real worry. Yeah. So to bring this to a little section to a to a close and just give people a happy ending. Sure. Yes, it yes. did. Let's, it, let, it did. Let, let me give the listeners a happy ending. Right. It did. If you're out there sourcing apartments for your investors, there's nothing wrong with buying an apartment. Right. Many people in the UK buy an apartment. Just make sure. My rule of thumb. Uh, it's not written down anywhere. It's sort of finger in the air. Right. My rule of thumb is you need 50% of the people in the apartment block as owner-occupiers. If you've got people living there and it's, they've got that, their home there and they're attached to it, these issues are going to be avoided. Right. So you're going to have investor purchases in any apartment block, right, purpose built. Just make sure about 50% of them are owner-occupiers. That would, that I, would I think solve all them. I think that's very sensible. I cool. really do. Cool. So let's come forward. Um, so we've dealt about the beginning and the middle, and we get. Should we do this again sometime? We we'll we'll do some other things, right? I want to get to the end now because uh, 2019, we've got challenges today in the portfolio, haven't we? Well, so, so for investors out there, property people, property sourcing profiteers, what are the challenges for investors today? I'll lead you a little bit. Let's say, like you and I. Yep. They bought houses years ago in their own names. Yes. What, what's changed? Well, when, when we bought, um, there was, uh, of course, there was um, different taxation rules, um, which we benefited from, right, because we got more um, tax relief yes. um, than people get now. Yes. Um, and with Section 24... Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's affecting, as everybody knows, um, it's, it's affecting your profit because you haven't got the tax reliefs that you had when we started off. Yes. Um, so I think that's a, a challenge for people. Um, I think it's a major challenge. And let me just fill in the gaps for people who are listening and maybe, you know, they're new and they, they don't quite understand what Section 24 and the implications, yeah. right? So if you're an old time landlord, <laughs> Like uh, Cheryl and myself, right? And we bought we bought properties at that time in our own name because that was a tax efficient way to do it. Yes. And we took on a lot of debt because you could offset all the mortgage interest against your profit at the end of the year. Yes. So it was tax efficient to use that debt, and it, it gave us more reach. The rules have now changed since uh, I think it was George Osborne in 2015 started talking about it, but now it's in full swing. Section 24 says that if you bought property in your own name, you can no longer subtract your mortgage interest at the end of the year from your tax bill. Uh, that's made a significant difference to yes. people, especially for old-time landlords 
who've had to carry that debt because they've got no way of getting yes. rid of the debt. Yes. And they can't sell because there's now a surcharge on capital gains. So, yeah, there's a three... I think the... If you've got any other asset, Cheryl, and, and for people listening, um, I think the cap, the maximum capital gains tax now is 18%. But if you're a higher rate taxpayer in prop, and you've got property, the capital gains is 28%. There's a 10% surcharge. So the, the, what we're seeing as deal sources, as deal packages, what we're seeing is old-time landlords... Over the years, they've remortgaged and remortgaged and remortgaged when the prices of their property's gone up, the value's gone up, they pull more and more money out, right? And now Section 24 says they can't subtract all the mortgage interest, yes. right? So they, they're actually losing money, potentially, in their building. Yes. But they can't afford to sell it either, because if they sell it, they've got to pay 28% of yeah. the increase in capital gains. So, so it's an issue. Yes, it is. So how have we dealt with that, Sean? Well, there's several things. The first thing, as I mentioned earlier, we, we were in the fortunate position that we didn't overextend ourselves. That that was Good a point. big issue. We, As I think I mentioned earlier, we never borrowed more than the value of the property. Yeah. Um, we didn't overextend ourselves at, at that stage. And that's helped us a lot because, unfortunately, some people did, right? Absolutely. And, and, and that made it very difficult. Um, several other things, and clearly I'm sure everyone's way ahead of me. One thing you can look at is increasing the rent on the property. We did that. And we've done that. Yep. Another thing is to look at your exes, yep. although clearly that's more limited. And of course, with time and inflation, that can go, that can, um, uh, that can go up. Um, the other big thing that we did, and we were fortunate that we were able to do it. Because here's what I want to share with you out there in property sourcing profits land. Right, I might not be very bright, but I did marry well. I did. <laughs> so we were very fortunate in that we were in a position to take some pretty big bites out oh, of the debt. Forgive me, you're, you're absolutely right. Because if the debt no longer served us. Yeah, absolutely. We, we'd made the conscious decision that we would pare down debt. Yes. Um, because there was no benefit to us in having big debt because we weren't getting the mortgage relief. Yes. Um, and we took the decision that instead of leaving capital where it was earning virtually no money at all. Um, yes, I, I've, I think I've shared with one or two friends, not everyone, that you got a letter from a high street uh, bank, I'm not going to name names, cutting your interest rate on your savings recently from, <laughs> I remember you opened the letter, about? it was 0.2%. Was it really? Yeah, that and they cut it to... 0.01. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So, we, um, yeah. Cut the stamp, cost more. Yeah, absolutely, the, the letter. Yeah. So, we were in that fortunate position, and we have always tried to adopt that, yeah. that when we were in a position to pare down debt, we pared down debt. Yeah. And I, I, that has helped hugely. Yeah. So, we looked at all sorts of schemes, Cheryl, didn't we, about transferring properties into various entities yeah. and their land would yes. be, and then yeah. going corporate and stuff like that. But there were, you know, there were significant costs to that. So, what we've chosen to do is raise the rents, and they've gone up around 10% around because we didn't raise rents for a very long time. No, we didn't. No. 10 years in some cases. Um, Barbara, God bless her. <laughs> wherever she is now. So we raised rent about 10%. 
we cut debt significantly. Yes. Probably, I need to check the exact figures, but we're probably talking 30 40%. Yes. Um, so there's an extra cost to us, but we've tried to mitigate it. Yes. Cool. So we're going to have to pay a bit more tax, a bit more tax, Cheryl. We are. We are. But it's not going to materially affect our standard of living, I don't believe. <laughs> cool. Um, can I say thank you? This has been, ge- I think this has been genius. <laughs> I've, I've really enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed, have you enjoyed it? Yes. <laughs> I did. You sound unconvinced. People out there in property sourcing profit land, I thought it was about time we put, put a voice to a name. You haven't seen the, heard the voice. You haven't seen the face yet. Is she real, David? Is she? Is, is there? We don't think there is a Mrs. S. Right? There is a Mrs. S. Um, thank you so much for doing it. Let's do it again in a little while. Let's talk about something else yeah. about your property adventure. <laughs> Uh, and in the meantime, uh, on behalf of everyone listening, I want to say thank you very much. My pleasure. Fab. And thank you for doing this with me. And Property Sourcing Profiteers out there in Property Sourcing Profit Land, get out there. Do what you're supposed to do. Knock on doors. Talk to unhappy old school landlords who have got a problem. Go and sell the, go and solve their problem. Make sure you can find a deal. You're going to sell all of them. It's going to be great. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.